All right, welcome back to the Prophetic Angle. This is Pastor Rick, and we're going to teach you on the topic, your baptism. Now, this is water baptism part five. So if you haven't heard parts one through four, you need to go on the podcast episode list and listen to these previous episodes or lessons on water baptism. We talked about Jesus' baptism, John's baptism, the mikvah, New Testament baptism, and today we're going to talk about your baptism. Now, when you got baptized or when you get baptized, it should be by immersion. That means you should go all the way under the water. Of course, baptizo, uh, the Greek word from which baptism comes, means to immerse. And if you follow the teaching, you know that tevilah means to dip. And of course, those that practice the mikvah in, a, in uh, old times or even today in Judaism, they go under the water. It's very important that you go under the water because baptism can symbolize or picture two very important parts of our lives, birth and burial. Uh, I know those are the two ends. Uh, one's the beginning and one is the end, but the picture can be either one or both. And so you go under the water. Now, here at Victory Temple, and I personally baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus based on the scriptural and historical precedent. And of course, I have covered that to some extent already, and we will say some more about it as we go on through this lesson. I've done that since 1977 when I first baptized anyone and I've literally baptized hundreds of people over these last 40-some-odd years. I've baptized in bathtubs, in horse troughs, in swimming pools, in fountains, in creeks, in rivers, in oceans, and even baptistries. Wow. I can tell some stories. But the important thing is your baptism. You need to follow your faith and repentance with baptism. So faith and repentance comes first. Um, otherwise, you go down a dry center, come up a wet center. So faith and repentance precedes baptism. If it's done correctly, you don't have to get baptized again necessarily if it's done correctly. However, there are times when people feel the need to be rebaptized if for no other reason than a rededication. And I don't have a problem with that. I've mentioned that to some extent in the previous lessons. A person is justified by their faith, according to Romans 3, 26 and 28, and Galatians 3, 8. So just getting immersed in water in an oven by itself has no specific uh, meaning when someone has not put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But baptism is not optional, okay? Because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. 
Read James 2, 17 and 18. We'll go ahead and read a few scriptures here since, uh, you know, this is a Bible study. We're teaching on baptism. James 2, 17 and 18. We're going to go, go there right now. It says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. And James says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So in other words, there's no way you're going to be able to show your faith if you don't have something produced from it. The works, in other words. Mark 16, 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So that's very important for us to recognize. It's not just a nice thing to do, baptism. It is an integral part of one having true faith. Persons in the New Testament that had faith were always baptized. The Bible even says it that way. Of course, there were those that were baptized that did not have true faith. They saw everybody else doing it, figured they'd get in on it for various reasons, like Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer was baptized, but um, he did not have true faith. Now, we read in Acts 8, 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So you see, they believed the message in Acts chapter 8, just like they did in Acts chapter 2. And as a result, their response was faith, repentance, and baptism. So the thing that illustrated that they had faith and that, that they had repented was they were baptized. And notice that included men and women. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you draw a correlation between Old Testament circumcision and New Testament baptism, then of course you go back and you recognize that only men were circumcised in the Old Testament times as a response of their covenant with the household of faith uh, of Israel. The men were required to be circumcised to signify that they were covenant keepers. But of course, Abraham, the Bible says, had faith prior to his circumcision. And you have faith prior to your baptism. Now, the good thing about the New Testament covenant or the new covenant is women are equal then with men when it comes to their faith in Christ. And they, instead of being circumcised like the men in the Old Testament, they are water baptized. The men and the women both are water baptized in the New Testament. And I'm sure a lot of you are thankful that that is the right, R-I-T-E, that follows faith. In the New Testament. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to offer baptism. This is what I had in my notes, so I'm reading it to as many as wants it. So since I went ahead and read that, I'm going to leave that in the uh, lesson here and just say, look, if you haven't been water baptized properly or never, 
And or if for some reason you feel like you want to redo it to make sure that you have done it correctly and so that you feel good about it and feel like you've done it the New Testament way, then please, uh, if you're local, let's let's get it done. And if not, find somebody that will baptize you in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. After having made the information available that I have, I exhort everyone to follow Jesus, the Son of God, the ultimate rabbi. Remember, he's our primary teacher and be baptized in his name. And if you listen to the previous lesson, lesson four, you know why I said that that way. Testify that you are his disciple by being water baptized. You want to learn everything that he will teach you and you want to be like him because he is your example. Now, your baptism is the watershed of a new beginning. It's a new start, a fresh start, a new life. Remember the Holy Spirit uh, that happened, the Holy Spirit and Jesus. In other words, in the Jordan, when Jesus was baptized, remember God said, as the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So this is your testimony of a new beginning. God is pleased with you. But the order is not a dogma because Cornelius' family received the Holy Spirit first. So in other words, Jesus received the Holy Spirit anointing after he was baptized. And Acts 2, 38, 39 says, Repent, be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But Cornelius' family received the Holy Spirit first. And one of the reasons for that was God was showing that Gentiles were going to have the same covenant promise as the Jews. And so God sovereignly baptized Cornelius' household in the Holy Spirit so that they could also then be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then they were baptized after having received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. So baptism is a watershed of a new beginning. It is a washing. But remember that the blood of Jesus is what remits sin, not the water. Hebrews 10, 28, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It is also an initiation. Baptism, like circumcision, in the New Testament, circumcision is of the heart. Something's done internally, but the visible act is replaced by baptism. Somebody said, well, do you have a scripture for that? Yes, I do. Let's go to Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 2, and we'll read in verse 11 through 15 what Paul says to the church at Colossae. He says in chapter 2, verse 11, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power, in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us 
with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Wow. So there's a lot here that can be taught, but water baptism is an initiation like circumcision, but it's internal, except for the water part. That is on the outside, obviously. And of course, here, when we speak of the flesh, we're not talking about the body. We're talking about the sinful nature is the best way I can put it for sake of time. So let's continue. It is also a burial, Romans 6, 1 through 4, but it is a figure because you're not being buried actually because you you don't uh, bury somebody and then dig them back up. It's a figure of burial. So we go to Romans 6, And we look at verses 1 through 4, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So it's a figure, see? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too should walk in the newness of life. So we go down because we've died, as it were, in burial, but we come back up and that pictures the death, the burial, and the resurrection as we participate in Christ by our faith. Okay, so it's a burial. It's a washing. It's a, it's a new beginning. It's a washing. It's an initiation. It's a burial. And then it figures birth. Remember I said the tevilah in the Hebrew, dipping in the mikvah symbolizes birth, but it can also picture death. So this point is it figures birth, but the regeneration again takes place in your spirit. So let's look at a scripture for that. Try to give you a scripture for each of these precepts to help you understand all the wealth of meaning that is in water baptism. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All right? He is a new creature or a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So that happens internally. The regeneration happens in your spirit. But the figure in water baptism, you're being birthed out of the water. You're coming up out of the water. So you do have these two paradoxical meanings. One is death, burial, and resurrection, and one is birth, but both can be pictured by water baptism. The next point I want to make is the water by itself does not do the work. The water is a visible means of conveying the truth of what God does inside you. It is a testimony to God, to the church, to the world, 
and to the enemy that you belong to Jesus. So let's read Romans 4, and we're going to read verses 9 through 12. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised? Now here we're talking about circumcision of the body, of the male in the Old Testament, or in other words, the Jew or the proselyte, because the proselytes had to also be circumcised if they were males, if they were becoming part of the Jewish faith in the time of old, and yet they were ethnically Gentiles, they still had to be physically circumcised if they were males. So this is what verse 9 says. Is this blessing only for the circumcised or the Jews or also for the uncircumcised? In other words, the, the bulk of the Gentiles. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Now listen to this. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? When did he have his faith? That's what I'm saying. It was not after, but before he was circumcised, the scripture says. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. So in other words, when the new covenant came along, picturing what happened in the old time, the believer now being a Gentile, but not having necessarily been circumcised in the flesh for religious purposes, was now made one because of the faith in Jesus Christ. But the faith comes prior to the right, and in the New Testament it was going to be baptism, okay? So that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And verse 12 says, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So for those that try to teach baptismal regeneration, in other words, that baptism does the work, they're missing the point, especially if they don't emphasize that faith comes first. Repentance and faith come prior to baptism, just like it did for Abraham prior to circumcision. He still had to be circumcised because that was God's command. Faith without works is dead. And we are still to be baptized because that is the New Testament command. And that follows our faith. So, a lot of people want to try to separate the two and say, well, then baptism is unnecessary. No, <laughs> if you have true faith, you're going to be obedient. That's basically what we're saying here. And then the baptism does all the things I've already enumerated. So now what else does it do? It is the answer of a good conscience toward God. So remember, you have the good conscience first. So where's that passage Brother Rick, well, let's go to First Peter. This is important. First Peter, uh, chapter three, verse twenty-one, and uh, we're there. Baptism 
which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. Now I'm going to read it also in the New King James. So it says here, verse 21, Therefore there is also an antitype, which is the fulfillment of a type, which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. The answer of a good conscience toward God. If I look at the Greek word, it's eperotema. Eperotemi. Eperotema, which means... Eperotema means a pledge or a commitment. The sense of it is a pledge or a commitment. Okay? And that is what baptism is. It, it's an answer of a good conscience toward God. So God asks you to believe in Jesus Christ. You believe in Him and you answer by being baptized in water. Men and women were both baptized as we've already read in the Scripture. So this is, this is getting pretty powerful right here. Baptism is rich with meaning. It's not some trivial thing people do uh, without a lot of deep meaning. All right? In this context, faith and obedience got on the ark. Remember, we're reading how that baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God. And just prior to that, it talked about Noah and the ark and the eight souls getting on the ark. Notice the number eight is the number of new beginnings. Notice that. You just can't make this up. It's all in your Bible. They got on the ark. The ark went in the water or above the water. But the faith and obedience got them on the ark. Just like faith and obedience gets you water baptized. Faith came first. But the ark would not have been left out for obvious reasons. You could have faith about God's going to save me. But how was he going to save them? They had to get on the ark. You know, Faith always comes before baptism. So get that. It's also an announcement of the victory to the forces of evil. That is so powerful because Jesus Christ was raised up to the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him. So when you are answering to God, you're also putting yourself in a position of authority and victory in spiritual warfare. And that's something a lot of people miss when they're reading this scripture and the one I read in Colossians uh, earlier, Colossians 2, 11 through 15, and then also here in 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22, that you're also making an announcement to the underworld that you are in Christ Jesus and all authority is given to him. So all the Angels and authorities and powers are subject to him. So in Jesus Christ's name, you have defeated 
the devil, and you can take authority over the evil forces that come against you. Notice that all that heard the word were baptized, and their conscience answered God. So all that heard the word, and there's a washing of the water of the word in Ephesians 5.26. So there again is a picture, a washing, a mikvah, gathering of waters, tevilah, the dipping. All that heard the word, the washing of the water of the word, were baptized, the mikvah, and their conscience answered God. It is the proper response of faith. You don't drive by the church and tip your hat. You get baptized because you put your faith in Christ. Acts 2.36 says that upon hearing the message of Jesus being the Messiah, the people asked what they needed to do. Now they were pricked in their heart, the King James says, or they were um, convicted. They were told then after they questioned Peter, to repent, to believe and be baptized, and that God would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you know what happened? 3,000 were added to the church that day in Acts chapter 2. Wow, that is so important. But that number 3,000, have you thought about it? Because in Exodus 32, 28, 3,000 died. 3,000 died. Let's go read that. I know that we're going back to the Old Testament, and most people don't make this connection, but we're going to make this connection what happened in Exodus uh, 32. Give me a little time to get there. Give me some time to get there. Exodus 32 and 28. Exodus 32, 28. This is really cool if I can just say it that way. Exodus 32 and 28. Here it is. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Okay, what happened? They were having a revelry around a golden calf, an idol, while Moses was getting the commandments in Mount Sinai. So at Mount Sinai, 3,000 were judged at the giving of the initial covenant, the old covenant. 3,000 were judged because of the sin of the people. But in the New Testament, 3,000 were saved. And in Acts 2, 40 and 41, Peter says, Be saved from this crooked generation. Now think about that. This crooked generation. Wow. And we're living in a time when the generation is crooked. You need to be saved from it. You need to repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be water baptized in His name and be filled with His Spirit. So we're talking about your baptism, and if you haven't been baptized or you haven't been baptized properly according to the teaching we've given you over these five lessons, I'm encouraging you to be baptized. Now, I've got a couple more lessons I could teach you on water baptism, and one of those is 
the baptism pictured in the tabernacle and the temple. In fact, I'll go ahead and read the scripture and then we'll conclude this lesson for today. I hope that you benefited from this lesson. As you can see, water baptism is something that you shouldn't skip. It's vitally important. Hebrews 10, 22 says, and pardon me for taking time here. It's my Bible software is not, not always working uh, as efficiently as I would like. But notice what it says, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Wow. And we already read a scripture that said it's not the removal of dirt from the body, but it does show as we dip in the water, tevila or baptizo, that there is a, an immersion or a, a contact with the water. And uh, this was done pictorially in the tabernacle and the temple. So the idea of baptism is not something that just started in the New Testament. It comes all the way from the giving of the tabernacle and the washings that the Jewish people had to uh, go through in order to be ceremonially clean. And I taught you about that in the mikvah. So water baptism in the New Testament is reflective of that. That's where I'm going to stop today, and I hope this has been a blessing to you. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. He'll give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is Pastor Rick Bowen, and this is The Prophetic Angle.